See, vision is what you see when you close your eyes and you are then led in your faith. Because Second Chronicles 5 and 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by So in order for me to lean upon God's understanding in the steps for my life, for the ministry that God has called each and every one of us to, and I want to pause there for a moment, you have a ministry. Yes, I need to stay there a minute, Pastor. I need some convincing. Every person in this room right now has a ministry of some kind. And guess what else? It probably isn't going to look like somebody next to you. Because God has uniquely called you and uniquely prepared you. He's allowed you to experience things in your life that maybe nobody else has experienced. He's allowed you to have influence over people. Perhaps nobody else has influence in their lives. He's given you a voice that's unique. He's given you his spirit, which is all powerful. Combined with what he has formed in your life, you have a ministry to change those around you, your family, your friends, your neighborhood, your workplace, your school. Can I get an amen in the house? But we've got to endeavor to walk by faith and not by our sight so that we can allow God to order our steps in faith. So we're going to begin to walk to places we cannot see with our own eyes. That's scary. Tell somebody next to you, I don't like walking blind. But you're not walking blind. If you're allowing the Holy Ghost to lead you, you are walking with the most clarion call, the clearest vision you could ever have because you are now seeing through the eyes of Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of your faith, who has seen yesterday, today, and forevermore the present, the past, and the future all in one moment. He can see what he's already asked you to do. He can see what he's already asked you, where he's already asked you to go. That's reassuring to me that God knows where I'm going and where he's calling me to take a step of faith and knows how I should get there so that I should succeed. Amen. So I want everybody, I'm going to take a chance here. This is scary on a Sunday morning. I want everybody to close your eyes for a moment. Oh God, I'm nervous already. It's too early. The coffee kicks in. I want you to imagine with me, you're standing on a high plateau. Okay. You could see across a very large valley. And you see a path leading from where you are right now across the valley. It goes over a couple small bridges, across a couple streams and rivers, through and around some smaller hills, through some dense patches of forest and trees. And then that path begins to head up a mountain that you can see on the other side of that valley. That's the extent of your vision. Now, everybody open your eyes before you start taking your morning nap. Nudge the person next to you. Make sure they actually lifted their eyelids real quick. Get some accountability in the room. That's the extent of what you can see from where you are currently standing. You can't see beyond the peak of the mountain on the other side of this range, of this season for your life. Because God has revealed to you, we were talking about this last night, he has revealed to you in your vision as much as he can trust you to see from where you are currently standing. If God were to show us what's on the other side of the next mountain, it might be overwhelming to some of us. 
to the good or to the bad. We may get so afraid or so excited about what God has in the next season for our lives that we can't be presently helping God in this moment right now. As much as I want to see beyond COVID-19 and this crazy, confusing season that we are calling life in America today, I don't believe God's going to unveil that to His church until His church accomplishes everything we are called to accomplish right now in this season. So instead of God asking God, show me the whole map. Show me the whole road for my life. Show me the whole pathway right here and now. Thank God he's merciful. My wife always says that. He is merciful to us to only show me what I need to see right now in this season and that I can trust that God has already taken care of the next season and the season after that. And he is preparing me now that I can succeed where he's allowed me to have influence, where he's allowed me to lead, where he's allowed me to take on the responsibility of being the church and a steward with his spirit. Amen? Amen. I don't believe that God fills us with his spirit just to save us. Please hear me. A lot of times in a great anointed apostolic Pentecostal church just like this one, we get really excited about the Holy Ghost doing the transformative work of renewing us in the spirit. And there is nothing greater than the moment that you are baptized with the Holy Ghost. Everybody know what I'm talking about? If you don't, later on today, you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. But here's the thing. When a baby is born, we don't just move on to the next baby. When there's a new birth that happens, that's when life begins, not when life is completed. And a lot of times, Pentecostals, if I could pick on us for just a second, we get really excited about new babies being born, and then we leave them out on the side of the road, and we forget that they need to grow up into Christ. Sometimes we get left on the side of the road. Because we get excited at an altar and we get baptized in water and spirit and God rebirths us, regenerates us, renews us and gives us a liberty in his spirit and then we think we're good to go. Signed, sealed, delivered. Let's just chill for a while. And if we're not careful in an apostolic church in a setting just like this Sunday morning, we can get very comfortable just staying with the status quo. But God filled you with his spirit so that you could be empowered from on high. So that miracle signs and wonders could not just pour into your life, but flow through you as a disciple of Jesus Christ who is following closely on the heels of your Savior. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? So I want to see God as far as you want me to see. And I'm going to do to the best of my ability all that I am able to do right now in this season. Somebody say, what God can I do right now to impact the kingdom? I think we've got some slides and those guys, I know I'm jumping around, but they're going to try and stay with me here as I teach this morning. Our vision lens, the lens with which we, we, we form and shape and see, 
when focused properly from the church, it will answer these questions today. And these are questions that we're not going to address specifically, but your pastor is going to be talking about a vision for this church, for this next season, for the years to come. And that's going to endeavor to, to, to look at some programs, some ministry, some groups that you're going to focus on as a church. Perhaps some things you might do on this campus, it down the road. Perhaps some things you might do outside this campus, around this community, to reach the community of Kendallville and surrounding areas with the gospel. How many are excited about what God's vision is for God's church? So when you hear your pastor preach or teach about where we're going as a church, as you are praying and you're fasting and you're focusing on the Word of God, saying, God, what is your vision not only for the church collectively, but for me in my ministry, for me to reach my neighbor, for me to reach my son or daughter, for me to reach a loved one or or, or somebody at my workplace with this saving gospel so that they can experience Jesus the way that you and I have. I want you to begin to ask these questions. Are you ready? Number one, why do we exist as a church? I want to remind us first and foremost, why do we exist as a church? Sometimes we get a little distracted and we begin to think that the church is just about us. It's about coming to church and saying, what did I get out of this Sunday? Let's not raise our hands, but I'll raise my hand and admit, I have come to church many times asking the question, what did I get out of that today? Did, I didn't really, I didn't, that's not really my favorite song. Worship was kind of eh, a little bit. You know, the pastor, man, he preached a good, good sermon, but I think that was for so-and-so, like two pews back and three seats over. Yeah, that was definitely for her. She got attitude. And old brother, yeah, he need Jesus. I don't know if that word was for me, but it was for him. I don't know that I got anything out of the church today. Church, we need to, and I'm talking to you as the core of this church. This is a responsibility that God has put on us. We need to begin asking ourselves, why does the church exist? And very simply, very clearly, that is answered in Matthew chapter 28, 19, and Mark chapter 16, that the church exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ. That why never changes. We need to, we need to remind ourselves why we are here in the first place. And it's not so we can just get fat and sassy on the blessings and favor of God. I'm thankful for the blessings of God. I am thankful for the favor of God. I am thankful for all that God has done for us. But we cannot exist as a church just so we can get bigger, better, and fatter on the blessings of God. But we have to understand the reason the church was formed was to fulfill the work of Jesus Christ that he started on this earth. And guess what? He thought so highly of his church that he left and descended or ascended into heaven and left the work of Jesus himself to us. Think about that. The responsibility that God said, I trust my church. And I think so highly of those people in the church there in Kendallville that they are going to be me to this church, to this community, to the surrounding areas. When they see you, they should see Jesus. Why we exist as a church, everybody say, is to go 
make disciples. The apostolic church was not given a mission. The mission of Jesus Christ called up an apostolic church. We need to realize we didn't go out and find a mission. The mission already existed. And then it called up a church into existence. And we've got to remember why we are here. And that is not just for ourselves. But it's so that somebody else who's lost, who's hurting, who's ailing, who's struggling can find Jesus Christ and have a miraculous experience with Him. What are we called to be in the church? Who are we supposed to reach next? I know a lot of times it's like, oh my goodness, it's a big world out there. There's so many people. Could you this next week begin to pray a very simple prayer? God, who do you want me to reach next? Everybody say next. Not in its entirety. Not, on the, not in, in the next 12 years. In the next week. Could we each pray the prayer that God, will you put somebody on my path? Will you put an opportunity in front of me that I can get out of my comfort zone for a minute and I can talk to somebody about what the Lord has done for me? Do you realize your testimony is all that you need? It's the only thing you need to be equipped with to begin changing somebody's life. It's to just tell them what the Lord has already done for you. Chances are, when they start hearing your testimony, they will start hungering and thirsting after the righteousness that has changed your life. They will start seeking the God of all creation, the Savior, the lover of your soul that has changed you. They will want a part of what you have. It doesn't mean they have to exegete the entire uh, written text. It doesn't mean they have to understand all of your theology, all of your doctrine, all of your beliefs. How long has it been since you had the first conversation with somebody about what the Lord did with them? And somebody sacrificed. Somebody got out of their comfort zone. Somebody took them the time to say, you matter enough, so I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Can we just pay it forward, church? And do the same thing that was done for us by a loved one, by a friend, by a preacher, by by, by somebody just reaching out, a disciple maker, saying, you know what, you're a child of God. And it doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter how rich or poor you are, doesn't matter your education level, doesn't matter what your degrees are, it doesn't matter except for that you have blood running through your veins and God loves you and He cares for you and He sacrificed His soul so that you could have a better life. Everybody say amen. Amen. We need to ask the question, when will we be prepared as a church to reach the city and how? Pastor, just give me a chance to move forward. We need to answer the question, how can we best lead them to a closer relationship with Jesus and his church? And then we need to ask and answer the question, God, where are you leading this church in Kendallville? But before we talk about the extent of your vision for this church and for you individually. I want to I want to I want us to clarify why we are persuaded to move forward today. When churches forget why they exist, what their true purpose is. Everybody say what's our why? Say that a little bit louder. What's our why? When we forget as the church why we exist, we begin to really just focus on the ABCs. 
Everybody say A. Attendance. Everybody say B. Buildings. Everybody say C. Cash. How much is everybody given? How many people were there? How great is the building? And how much is people giving? Here's the problem, y'all. A really good circus has great attendance, has a great building, and has a lot of cash coming in. What's the difference between a really great show circus and a really great church? One thing, disciples. We can't get so fixated on how many people were here this Sunday, what the building looked like or didn't like, and this is a beautiful building. And you should take pride that the temple that represents God is the best looking building in your community. Somebody say amen. And you should be proud when your church can sacrifice and give for the ministries that reach out into this community to support missionaries. I saw them on the wall out there to reach people all across this globe. You should be thankful that you have an opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God. But none of it matters if it's not all surrounding the why we exist in the first place. And that is to go make disciples. This is not for entertainment here today. We are here because we are called to be disciples who go make disciples. Amen? The unchanging why. The great, everybody say commission. It's a cooperative, a collaborative partnership mission with us and Jesus. We are called for the mission of the church. And that is to go make disciples. We are commissioned to fulfill his purpose that he began. And if God's vision is the lens with which we can see the future of this church and our future in this church, the mission of Jesus Christ will be fulfilled in the future of this church. You won't be able to hold the growth that you have in this church when we get a hold of what God wants to see happen in this community. We find more direction in what we do sometimes than why we do it. Church, we can't get stuck on the program. We can't get stuck on the song. We can't get stuck on the what. We have got to be obsessed with the why. Why did God call us to be his church? Amen. If we have learned anything in the last 18 to 24 months in the church is that we've got to hold our methods very loosely, but we've got to get a hold of our mission and hold it very tightly. I'm going to say it one more time. As the church in the 21st century, in this plague, this pandemic, all the confusion, all the politics, all the nonsense, all the blah. Anybody tired of it? Good, I'm amongst friends. But in the midst of all this chaos, we can't let that confusion get in our spirits. And we've got to not worry about how we're going to go about doing the Father's business. We can't worry so much about the what. We can't worry so much about the method. We've got to be obsessed with the mission of the church. We've got to be obsessed. We've got to be compelled with why God called us to do what he's called us to do. Because we, the church, are the only light shining in our community. Because there's darkness and confusion all around us. The church has never been more needed than it is right now. Somebody say amen like you believe that. 
with the Great Commission pushing the church forward to go make disciples, our sight must become clear on what it means to become a healthy disciple. If you could turn to the healthy discipleship wheel. Because a lot of times we talk about, let's go make disciples. And let's be disciples. But sometimes we don't hold ourselves accountable to know what that means. How many have heard the term disciple and you heard that, okay, that means a follower of Jesus, but you really didn't know the report card that you should grade yourself on. I don't know, am I a good disciple or not? I show up to church. You know, I pay my tithes. I try to be faithful. I think one, one time, can we just this morning, let's define what it means to be healthy. Number one, everybody say we've got to live in the Word. Say that a little bit louder. I want to make sure we're awake on Sunday morning. Live in the Word. We've got to live a life that is founded upon the word of Jesus. Okay? There are so many words coming in to our lives right now. Every news cycle, every Instagram post, every Facebook story, all the noise on radio or Spotify or iTunes or whatever it is you listen to. There's so many words coming into our life. Oh, God, help us that we can hit the mute button on all the other sources around us that are trying to tell us how to live our lives and begin to really live a life that is accountable to the Word of God. Sometimes we're seeking a new and fresh anointing, Pastor, and the Word is already anointed. When I'm struggling to break through in prayer, when I'm struggling to find God even in a service, You know, the simple thing to do if you want to find anointing is find the word that carries with it the bread of life. It is anointed all to its own. And it is an amazing, you can go back and read a Bible verse that you've known your whole life, that you've got memorized. And when you open that word of God, you can read it and it's just, it's like magic. It can come to life in that moment with you and speak something new to your life. I don't know of any other book that can do that to me. I don't know of anybody else's word that can do that to me. But when I get in the word of God, I feel alive because that was designed and purposed to keep me living like Jesus wants me to live. Tap your neighbor and say, you got to live on the word. Number two, if we're going to be a healthy disciple, we've got to be, everybody say spirit led. We're really good at being spirit filled. When I first taught this years ago to our church, I used to talk about, hey, we need to be spirit-filled. That, that's, that's so important. But what I found was there's too many people running around churches that are spirit-filled that are not spirit-led. To be spirit-led, you have to be spirit-filled. Amen? But then I've got to allow the spirit To do what it was designed and purposed to do. And I go back to my earlier point. And that's not just to save my sorry hide. God put his spirit into me to, everybody say, empower me. It's like he put a new battery the size of what goes in a Tesla. Right inside of my life. Supernatural power came into my life. 
But then I've got to let that not just save my soul, but lead my life from that moment so that I feel sensitivity to what God wants me to do, to say where he wants me to go and where he doesn't want me to go, what he wants me to to, to dedicate my life to and what he doesn't want me to dedicate my life to. Everybody say, I got to be spirit led. Number three, we've got to grow in relationship with God and with his people. Don't ever underestimate your relationship with Jesus Christ. And what a privilege it is to have a relationship with your master and savior. And I know a lot of times we take for granted the relationship we have with each other until you don't have it. Until somebody passes away. Until somebody falls away from the church. Until, has anybody ever got, you know, a job transfer that moved you out? And you, you didn't realize how much you needed those people at church until you didn't have access to them. Okay? What I'm talking about here, this is the most important thing. To plant this in your heart right now. We have got to continually, daily, Invest in our relationship with Jesus Christ. But then we've got to also relationally invest in each other. That's the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 says the body is jointly fit together. That means when you're not part of the body, the body is not whole. That means when you're not part of the church, the church is not complete. This church is not whole without you in it. And when you don't feel well, we don't feel well. But when you succeed, we succeed. When you're having a rough day, we're having a rough day. That's how the family of God works. If you're thankful for the body of Christ, say thank you, Jesus. Number four, to be a healthy disciple. We've got to contribute to our church community. That means I don't just come and I, 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 I get what I get and I go where I go. That means I'm faithful in my giving to the church. Not just of my, my finances, but of my talent and of my time. To say, this is, this is my church. These are my people. This is what God has called us and compelled us to do. We can succeed at many things in life. None is more important than the church succeeding. Because what we are endeavoring in the church is eternally successful. What we do in life, I can't tell you it breaks my heart. Pastored for many years in, in Columbus and breaks my heart when I, I see people get toward their end of their careers, Pastor, and they've given everything to a job, everything to a career. And, and, and as quickly as they could file the paperwork and get them out the door, sometimes pack their stuff up and meet them with security on their retirement day. They're done with you. Thank you for giving your life to this company. Thank you for giving your life to this career. It was nice doing you. Here's a pin. Here's a little bit of severance. Here's a little bonus. Now get out of the way so somebody else can take your place. Talk about feeling used. Can I preach to somebody today? And I'm supposed to be teaching, not preaching. I'm preaching next time. Do not expect the things of this world to satisfy what only the things in heaven can satisfy. Your church community 
is the most important community you could be a part of. Don't take it for granted. Be thankful that you have a great church and a great pastor and a great family of ministers here investing in you and your family. But don't just be a taker. Be an investor. Say, I want to invest myself in the kingdom that has eternal consequence. And that at the end of the day, God's going to come up to me and say, thank you, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Done. Welcome into the kingdom of heaven. Oh, what a day that will be when my Jesus I will see. Amen. Amen. Thank God for the church community. Number one, two, three, four. Everybody say number five. We've got to live. Everybody say missionally. We live on purpose. We live for a mission. We live for something That is bigger than us. Church, if we are going to grow up to be healthy disciples. And we are going to convince the community around us. That what this church possesses and has a hold of. Is the greatest thing since sliced bread. They've got to see something different in us than they see everywhere else. The difference of, a, of an on fire revival exponentially growing just exponentially stretching church is a church where people have made up their minds to live on purpose to live for the mission of church of the church which is to go and make disciples i want to live my life to help somebody else I don't want to live my life to just help myself. The world tells me I should live my life for me. But how many people have tried that and felt so empty at the end of their life? But when you live for a mission that's greater than you, that mission takes care of you. Because while you're taking care of somebody else, somebody's got your back. Somebody's watching your six. That's what's great about the church. We are jointly fit together. Somebody say, I want to live on purpose. Number one, two, three, four, five. Number, everybody say six. Are you getting tired of repeating things? You don't have to answer that. That was an awkward pause. We've got to develop as leaders. I'm talking to you this morning as leaders because I feel compelled that what is going to change the landscape of the church in the 21st century is every one of us realizing our potential to lead others to Jesus. You have the ability to lead others to Jesus. We need to grow as leaders. But God's not going to trust us to lead more until we have proven to him we are stewards with what is already in our hands. Did you hear me? We're asking God sometimes for more favor, for more finances, for greater blessing, for greater influence, sometimes for greater position. And I want, I want us to be very honest and look back at God and say, Lord, this is what you've put in my hands. And I have done to the best of my ability all that I could do with that. And now I can come back to you, God, and say, you can trust me with more. Why? Because I've proven that I'm a good steward. 
And I've proven that I'm not just going to be a taker, but I'm going to be a giver. And if you give me more influence, and you give me more authority, and you give me more supernatural power, that I'm going to use it for your glory and not my glory. I'm going to use it to build up your kingdom and not my kingdom. I want to be used by you, God, because this is all about your work, and it's not about my work. And lastly, once we have grown into a healthy disciples, we have to multiply ourselves. We have to get outside of just our growth and our development and say somebody else in this world needs to experience what I have experienced. But we can't ask other people to grow up to be disciples of Jesus Christ until we're doing it ourselves. I can't stand hypocrites. I remember we were at our church. <laughs> I told our church the first time, I said, listen, I make a commitment to you. I'm never going to teach or preach something. I'm not doing my absolute best to live myself. Because it's really hard to ask other people And it's even harder to sit there and be asked to do something when somebody hasn't done it themselves. Anybody ever had a boss or an owner of a company that came to you and asked you to do things and you're like, that joker isn't doing it himself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But what happens when you have somebody who's been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, living it? They don't even have to tell you what to become. You've seen it. You've witnessed it with your own eyes. And when we go out of this place today and we're around this community this week, this month, this year, could it be that the light of Jesus Christ is shining so brightly out of our lives, out of our words, out of our actions, that when we walk up to people and start testifying to them about what the Lord has done for us, they can almost interrupt us and say, you don't even have to tell me. I can see the glory of God all over. Something's different about you. The greatest compliment that we as disciples could get is for somebody to see Jesus in us before we ever open our mouths and tell them about him. What time is it, Pastor? 10.45. We have got to become, everybody say, healthy disciples. Healthy disciples. When you look across the path for your life, the next season for your life, that, that, that valley leading up to the next mountain peak that we envisioned at the beginning of this session. And you say, God, what is it that you want me to do during that season? I hope God blesses your career. I pray God blesses your family. But if our family and our career and our lives are, 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 are surrounding The call of Jesus Christ for things that are of heavenly purpose and not just earthly cause. Do you realize that God can bless every area of your life when it's accountable to what he has called us to be? Are you with me? When we say, God, 
I am going to put you at the very center of my life. And I'm not going to make a decision unless you're a part of that decision. I'm not going to make a career move unless you're a part of that career move. I'm not going to change something in my family until I have got down on my knees with my family and prayed to my God to give me peace that passeth all understanding. Could it be that we grow up to be healthy disciples so that we can reach out to this community and make disciples of Jesus Christ? I read a story about three years ago about one of the most incredible feats that happened during 9-11. Of course, 9-11, what a tragedy. How many people remember where you were at when the towers were struck? I think it was our generation's version of You know, the assassination of JFK. It's like you go back to that generation. Everybody remembers where they are when President Kennedy was shot or perhaps when Reagan, the attempted. The Twin Towers, I think, was was this generation's like wake up. Like, oh my goodness. The world that we know it is not secure as we know it. Perhaps those younger generations, now this pandemic might be that for them. This shocking Oh, wow. The world as we know it is, is turned upside down in a moment. But on 9-11, there's a great story of a great hero. There was a gentleman. He's the chief vision officer. Keep in mind, chief vision officer. His name is Michael Higson. He's the author of the New York Times bestseller, Thunderdog. I, I, I just... It, implore you to go look this story up. It's incredible. He is the, the chief vision officer for Accessibi, a company that helps people that need access uh, to areas, corporate office buildings and stuff that have ADA limitations, have handicaps and, and some physical ailments. But it's incredible, his story, because he was on the 78th floor making a presentation when the first tower was struck. And as that building began to tilt, they said as much as 18 to 20 degrees to one side before it fell. He is blind. He's the chief vision officer, but he can't see. But he had a little guide dog named Roselle. And what was incredible is all the chaos and all the smoke, all the screaming, all the the nonsense that was going on around us and the confusion around him on that day. He didn't depend upon his own eyes to see, but his guide dog was trained to be courageous, to be brave, to ignore all the chaos around him and lead him to safety. What was amazing is they began to interview the more than 300 people that followed this man, Michael, and his guide dog, Roselle, down 78 flights of stairs through the the stair column that was completely filled with smoke. They could not see their hands in front of their faces, couldn't hardly breathe, but they followed this little guide dog down to safety, out the front doors, and not only out of the building, but led them into a subway tunnel so that they would be protected from the falling debris above. Church, a lot of times we talk about leadership, as soaring with eagles. But, but, but servant leadership is a lot less barbell and a lot more Barnabas. It's a lot less soaring with eagles 
And it's a lot more like a guide dog leading people through a bunch of destroyed rubble. It's a lot more leading people through the blind situations that have occurred in our, in our communities and in our culture right now. It's a lot more depending on vision we don't have, but we have access to. I'm compelling you as, as a church today, as we talk about growing and making disciples, to call upon the Lord, to call you to be a servant leader. To call upon God to say, God, give me vision that I may walk by faith and not by sight. But I may walk in the encouragement of your spirit. Help me, Lord, to lead others to safety. That as the buildings of their life and as the screams around us and as people are just searching for something clear... Help us to lead people out of the noise, out of the smoke, out of the fire, and into the arms of Jesus Christ. Could we stand all across this place right now? A servant leader is positioned to be a disciple leader. So as you are asking God, Lord, how are you calling me to minister this next year? What do you want my light to shine from? And who do you want this light to shine into? I want you to ask God to help you get the heart of a servant. The heart of a servant leader. To say, I don't, I don't worry about the reward of leadership. I don't worry about the reward of influence. But I feel the responsibility of the church upon my shoulders. Because it's not your pastor's job and a ministry team's job to reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the mission of the church. That is our responsibility. If you have been saved and sanctified, if you have been anointed with the Holy Ghost in power, if God has filled you with His Spirit, He has given you everything you need to be a world changer. He has given you and equipped you with everything you need to share your testimony. But you've got to get the heart of a servant leader to say, I'm not just worried about saving my own skin. But God, give me the chance to lead somebody down a stairwell out of fear and into faith. Give me a chance, Lord, as every hand is lifted and every eye is closed and every heart is open. God, just give me the chance. Show me the opportunity this week. Help me to not become a procrastinator with your purpose. But God, help your passion to overcome my life. That I am compelled to share what you have done for me with those around me. Could you lift your hands right now and ask God to speak to your heart. God, help us to receive the call to be servant leaders. Help us, God, to receive the call of Christ to do your work, to do your purpose. Remember, God, you have called us to be the church, not just to have good church. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask your pastor to come pray over this this service right now. And I want you to receive the word of God as he comes. Jesus' name, open your hearts, church. all with every hand raised in this place would you just 
Call out to him as he's calling you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Respond to the call. I love how Brother Mitchell said, this is, this is the, the hub. This is the place that we go from. We are the church. We don't come to church. We are the church. Come on, and when we begin to activate as the church beyond these walls, when we begin to activate as the church, doing the mission of the church, Every, everywhere that we go, every day that you walk into your workplace, every day that you walk into your school, no matter where you are, come on, let's be the church. Let's answer the call. Let's live on mission. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. We are called to be disciples, and we are called to make disciples. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Mitchell, thank you so much for pouring into us today. Amen. I thank every one of our Sunday school teachers this morning that was pouring into our students all around this place. And and thank you for joining us here today. Amen. I I wonder if we could just one more time just put our hands together. Amen. And appreciation for the opportunity to be able to come into this place. Amen. Into the presence of God. We are so blessed to be here and living in community with one another. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated 
here this morning. And we are so privileged to have the Mitchells with us here this weekend. And uh, amen. That's all right. You can put your hands together for them. Praise God. Here this morning we are going to have, or we're going to take up our, our offering, our tithes and our offering today, and we could have our ushers come. We're going to take this up, and I am so blessed to be able to give, amen, for a purpose, for a mission, amen. We don't just give to, to build up the, the storehouse, we don't just build, or we don't just give in order to to have a large bank account, but I want to give so that we can reach the loss, so that we can reach this community, and that's why we give here today. And as we give in this offering here today, and in our tithes, I I want you to to as you place that in that in that offering plate, just to to pray, Lord, let this God be used for Your kingdom. God, let this.